Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who trains our hands for battle and our fingers for war. We praise you. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit. We praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In all I say, in all I do, let me be pleasing, pleasing to you. In all I say and do, in all I say and do, let me be pleasing, pleasing to you. In all I say and do, in all I say and do, let me be pleasing, pleasing to you. In all I say and do, hallelujah, in all I say, in all I do, let me be pleasing, pleasing to you, in all I say. Lord, 
right now Teach me, Lord, right now Teach me, Lord, right now Teach me, Lord, right now, oh, precious Lord, thank you, Jesus. Teach me, Lord, right now. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in our midst as our teacher, as our God, as our ruler, as our comforter, as our encourager, as our instructor. We praise you, Lord, that you are in our midst, O oh, Father. We praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, speak to us once more. May your voice become clearer than any other voice. Oh, Lord, I pray that you will circumcise our ears once more in the name of Jesus. Cause our hearing, Lord, to become heightened at this hour so we may pick up every signal, every word, the breath of God. Oh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let every heart here be a good ground, O oh Lord. Plow through every heart, O oh Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. How determined are you to know Jesus Christ? How determined are you to follow Jesus Christ. How determined are you to inherit Jesus Christ? I want to repeat as the Holy Spirit wants me to. How determined are you to know Jesus Christ? How determined are you to follow Jesus Christ? How determined are you to inherit Jesus Christ? I'm going to repeat it one more time. It's a question that you must answer to God. How determined are you to know Jesus Christ on a scale of 1 to 10? How determined are you to follow Jesus Christ on a scale of 1 to 10? Honestly answer that. How determined are you to inherit Jesus Christ? On a scale of 1 to 10. Hallelujah. 10 being the highest. Lord, with everything, I'm determined to follow you. To know you. To inherit you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
How determined are you? Only those who are determined to know Jesus Christ can accurately follow him. Only those who accurately follow him will inherit him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your voice that we are hearing at this hour. I pray may we continue to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord would speak to our hearts at this hour. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We commit ourselves into your hands. I come against all the forces of darkness. Every demonic spirit that is trying to distract your people from hearing the word of the living God, I bind them in Jesus' name. Take victory in Jesus' name. I come against all the forces of darkness and every demonic spirit of pain, every evil spirit that tries to come against every brother, every sister, every child. trying to steal what God has for His people. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I curse those unclean spirits in Jesus' name. Take victory in Jesus' name. I ask you, Lord, that you unveil the eyes of understanding all the more today. May we not be just hearers, mere hearers of the Word, but become doers of the Word. May we not just desire and not follow through with the desire that you have birthed in us. But the desires that you birthed in us, and those really become something concrete that God would see, that God would cause it to grow. May it be worth God's investment we thank you and praise you. Thank you for this time that you're investing into us, O Lord. Thank you for your word that you are investing into us by releasing it upon our lives. May we take it. Take it in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise be to God. Praise God for giving us another day. Another opportunity for us to be in the presence of the Most High God. We give God all the glory. God just gave the word, so I'm going to just get the um, chapter, and we will um, and we will read read um, the section that the Spirit of the Lord wants us to. I would encourage you to write those three questions that the Lord spoke to us. Um, during worship, how determined are you to knowing Jesus Christ? How determined are you in following Jesus Christ? How determined are you in inheriting Jesus Christ? Not inheriting what Christ has for you, but it's inheriting Christ himself. There has to be a determination, and that's what God wants to speak to us. And that's what the Lord spoke to me. So I'm going to... First Corinthians chapter 2. 
First Corinthians. Thank you, Jesus. First Corinthians chapter two. And I am going to read from verse one. The Spirit of God through Apostle Paul, he's writing to his people here, and it includes us also. That's why we have a copy of this in our hands. And God is speaking to our hearts today about this. So we're going to go deeper as much as God wants us to. And we're going to see what the Spirit of the Lord has for us for um, this night. So I'm just going to read this now. First Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. These five verses are power verses. These five verses that God has over here, they are powerful power verses that God has for us. Each verse, I want you to really take it in, read it slowly, and Take the word of God that it may get into your spirit. Become one with your spirit. Apostle Paul, through the spirit of God, says here, When I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. This is not Apostle Paul, who trains a whole bunch of people saying, well, follow 10 steps of evangelism, 10 steps to successful evangelism, or let's have a church growth seminar, let's have a worship seminar, you know, like how we ha- we are seeing these days. Sad to say how many places, many churches, even many, 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 many denominations are doing this. Church growth seminar. Really, do we see anything like that in the Bible? As the Spirit of God moved the people of God, the people of God who walked with God on their faces before God fasted and prayed for days. We saw that yesterday, and we're going to go into that today, but there's a link between the end of Luke, the beginning of Acts, and what we're reading now here, First Corinthians. Now, God is speaking to our hearts here through Apostle Paul. In order to be successful in our walk with God in order to be successful in our usefulness to God we cannot use human wisdom we cannot use human talents we cannot use human skills we cannot use human experiences that you might have had in business or in politics or in school or in sports or in music or in dance or in arts or whatever it is in theater, whatever it is, whatever your skill or your talent may be, you cannot bring that to the table and say, well, I'm good at this, so I'm going to be bringing a lot of people to Jesus using my skill. It doesn't work that way. As we saw yesterday through the Spirit of God, enlightening our eyes through the Word of God, that 
in order to reach the spirit of man, only the spirit of God can do the work. And every human being, before they come to Jesus Christ, they are held as prisoners or captives to Satan. So he has them as his hostage. When a person comes to Jesus Christ, they become a free person in Christ to serve the living God. So when you look at a human being, any human being, when they are born into the kingdom of God, is the work of the Holy Spirit in the spirit of a human being, causing him to surrender to the Most High God by the means that God gives, which is understanding. If God does not open the eyes of our understanding, we cannot understand the things of God, period. Now we see here, Apostle Paul, after his eyes were open, I also said this yesterday, our eyes being open during the salvation experience is one level of eye opening. We need to continue to have our eyes opened by the Spirit of God to go deeper and deeper and deeper in the ocean of the Spirit of God, to go deeper and deeper and deeper in this treasure mine where you have so many things. See, it's like this. You can be walking into a big mine full of precious stones but not know the value of it and just you can say I can't wait to get over this place and you don't know that there are diamonds over here you don't know there are gold over here you don't know there are you know precious stones over here you have no idea of anything you are not knowledgeable of these things because of that it may be right near you at your fingertips but you're not going for it you're not reaching for it because your eyes are on those plastic matchbox cars that are over there and say, I need to get that, I need to get that, I need to get that. And you miss out on everything. Thinking that these are just rocks and I'm, I don't care about it. This is not of interest to me. I'm not a rock collector. But if you know what this is, if you know what these are all that are there, then you are going to stop at every place and wish that I have more bags and more boxes and wish, wish I have so much to wish I have people to come help me carry it. See? Big difference. In order for you to know what each gemstone is, you need to have knowledge about it. In order for you to know the deeper things of God in every area, you need the Spirit of God to unveil the eyes of your understanding, unlock your hearing. Without it, you cannot see. You'll be a stranger standing and seeing all these things happening, be a bystander. Well, I don't want to be a bystander and I don't want you to be a bystander if you're part of this church. Every believer must be proactive, not only in their salvation, but in the salvation of others. We are called, saved by the blood of Jesus, to save ourselves and our hearers. That's what God's word says. So, we are going to see, my phone keeps locking every few minutes, so... So we're going to see here what Apostle Paul says. He says, this is how I came to you. This is how Apostle Paul evangelized. If you want to have a successful ministry, first of all, your first ministry is to yourself. That you need to feed your soul. You need to feed your spirit. You need to make sure that you're walking with God. That's your first ministry. Secondly is your family. Thirdly 
is beyond your family. So have this in your mind. If you have a wife, if you have a husband, make sure that you take care of their soul. Make sure that you are on top of that. Make sure you're fasting and praying for them. Make sure that you're not neglecting that important job. If you have children, make sure you're not neglecting that important job. Make sure you're fasting and praying for them. Make sure that that is very important to you. And then... You can't just say, oh, just my wife and my children. I'm not going to go and um, give the word to anybody else. And this is my, you know, main job. No, you have other jobs. Just like you can be a mom, a wife, and a school teacher. You can be a mom, a wife, a school teacher, and an evangelist. You can be a mom, a wife, a school teacher, an evangelist, and a neighbor. You can't say that, well, it's all confusing. You can be a mom, a school teacher, an evangelist, a neighbor, a daughter. You can be a mom, an evangelist, a school teacher, a daughter, a neighbor, and a sister. You can't say, oh, I'm so confused. I don't know how to relate to everybody. These are all complicated relationships. Nothing's wrong at that point. Just like that, in the kingdom of God, God gives us different roles and responsibilities. Every role carries a responsibility. Just like in the earthly realm, a sister has a responsibility. Even the family, within the family, to take care of the rest of the siblings or a brother. A father has a responsibility to take care of himself, his wife and his children. And if he's working his job and if he's having neighbors, then he has to be a good neighbor. If he has a dad or a mom, then he needs to be a good son. So you have all these various roles and Roles which carry responsibilities. Each role carries a big responsibility. Are we weighed down by the responsibility saying that, oh, I can't lift my head up because I don't know, I can only be a husband or I can only be a wife. I cannot think beyond that. I can't be a mom. I can't be... No. You can't live like that. If someone says that, you say, that's pretty abnormal. Now, people have stress and pressure, but you can't say that I can't function having these multiple roles. No. It's a second nature. A child grows as a child, and then the child has a role in the society as a friend. She has friends or he has friends. So he's a son or she's a daughter and she's a friend. Then she goes to school and she becomes a leader there. So she becomes a leader. She has another role. But she's able to function everywhere. Why? Because that's God-given potential capacity in a human being. Similarly, when we're born in the family of God, God gives us responsibilities. He gives us roles and He gives us responsibility. And it's important for us to stay within the role and be responsible. And as we grow, God will add more. That's God's principle. In the spiritual realm, we cannot bring in flesh. That means we cannot bring in our human tactics, our human calculations, our humans, you know, wisdoms, street smarts and, you know, college smarts and whatever it is. You cannot bring any of those in in order to produce multiplication when it comes to the kingdom of God. This is where current day Christianity, it falls short because... They've forsaken the path of the cross. They've forsaken the way of God. Majority, not all. There are people who are sincere. There are churches who are sincere. 
But majority, they have adapted to business techniques. They want to run the church like how they would run a company. They want to market the services and whatever the church is offering, like how they would do in a company. You know how many emails I've gotten from marketing <laughs> strategists for our church? And how many invitations I've gotten from big so-called denominations? Hurry! Early bird special. For what? For worship leaders to, to learn how to psych the people into worship. The dramatic effect you can give. It's sickening. They have seminars and music and drama. Just like the world. Can flesh and blood inherit the kingdom of heaven? Jesus said no. What is this? Is it church or is it a recreation center? May God help us. Apostle Paul shows here through the Spirit of God how he did ministry. He was not coming here, hey, I'm the apostle. I have all the gifts of the Spirit here. And with a haughty look. No. He came with meekness. Meekness is not weakness. When he says fear, he's not talking about fear that comes from the demonic spirit. No, he's talking about the fear of God that he's bearing this gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ that he has to give it to the people and this burden that he has that he has to carry these people, present them spotless before God. The burden that he had that I have to present them before God. The burden that he had, burden of God. And the fear of God that I have to do it in a manner that is pleasing to God. That I'm depending on God for His word. That He has to give me the utterance. Not with His human intellect. Apostle Paul did not function even though he had all the gifts of the Spirit. With his handkerchief, people got healed. That's how powerful he was. With all of that, he was never self-confident. He was not somebody who said, I'm ready. He went with trembling, with much prayer, depending on God, depending on God to work. How many times have you come to do any kind of ministry with that kind of an attitude, with that kind of prayer? This is how ministry has to function and this is how we must be serving God. May God speak to our hearts. Evangelizing, giving the gospel to others must not become a hobby or should not be considered a hobby. It's not a fad. It's a burden. It's a burden that Jesus carries. It weighed so much on him before he went up to heaven. That was the very thing he spoke about. 
He said, this is what I want you disciples to do. Go and tell all the people who don't know about me that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Carry this good news because without this, me dying on the cross would be in vain because I died for them. And if they don't know about it, they will miss it. And I don't want anyone to perish. That's what John 3.16 says. Then he gave a command. He said, you cannot go in your own strength. You cannot go with your human intellect. You cannot go with any of your human ability. So wait until I send the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who come and empower you, strengthen you, cover you for the spiritual warfare. Because you're going to go into the enemy's territory. And Jesus told his disciples, Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. But these sheep, when they are in the hand of God Almighty, they will not be eaten by wolves. Instead, they would deliver the sheep that the wolves are having in their mouths. That they will go and do the will of God, not being affected by what's out there, but affecting what is out there. That's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's how Apostle Paul was. So, let's just continue reading. We must have the understanding that when it comes to God, when it comes to things of God, we are zeros without Him. It is Christ working in us, Christ working through us because of Christ working in us. So Apostle Paul here, he says this, I did not come with excellence of speech or with wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. He's not declaring anything considering the things of the world. No, he is talking about God. But in order to declare the testimony of God, you cannot use human wisdom. You cannot use anything that comes from the flesh. It has to come from God. In order for that to happen, you must spend time with God. Without that's not going to happen. You can say, well, I'll produce this research and well, you know, I'll try to, you know, give this book and well, I'll try to, you know, somehow um, argue or debate and so show this proof and bring this archaeology here and bring that science here. And that's not going to do much here. It can take eight years. It can take 24 years. It can take a lifetime and the person can end up in hell. But when the spirit of God works, everything changes. And that's what Apostle Paul was carrying. Verse 2. For I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the most important thing. We have to be determined not to know anything. Anything other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Not only in His life, but also in the lives of those He was ministering to. That was his goal. Not what you're interested in. Not what you can contribute. But Christ being formed in you. That's what Apostle Paul was concerned about. That's what Apostle Paul was after. And he was determined not to waste a second. He said, I'm not wasting a second in anything. Not sitting and trying to, well, let me make some friendships and let me, you know, try to socialize and let me try to, no, his whole approach was God's approach, not man's approach. We need to have God's approach. When it comes to 
evangelizing, when it comes to serving God, when it comes to taking the gospel to those who don't know Christ or trying to win a backslidden believer back to Christ. We cannot do it with human wisdom. I want to show you one more thing before we go back to here. Let me go here and pull another scripture here. Just give me... We're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. Let's just go there for a minute. Philippians chapter 3. Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse... One onwards. Philippians chapter 3 from verse 1 onwards. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. I want to stop right here. What is he talking about? He says, we who serve God, how? By his spirit. If you have a highlighter, highlight that part or underline it. How do we serve God? By his spirit. How? Putting no confidence in the flesh. You cannot put confidence in the flesh and try to serve God. Oh, well, I know from Genesis to Revelation, I know God this much. I don't know if you have that kind of an attitude. Your result in ministry will be zero. Your confidence must be in God. No confidence in the flesh. No confidence in your prior knowledge, prior experience, prior talents or current talents, current experience has to become net zero. When you go to God saying that, Lord, I have nothing. I need you to fill me. I need you to use me. I need you to speak through me. I need you to save the soul, Lord. Spirit of God, work in me and work through me. Our confidence has to be in God and not in ourselves, not in men, not in our flesh. Our boasting has to be only in Christ Jesus, not in ourselves. Now, he says over here, If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Because that's the truth. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. This is very important. A lot of people who don't know the Bible will come and say, well, you know, Paul was a sinner and Paul was this and that. First of all, that's not true. That's a blasphemy. That's a character charge, false charge, 
that people who call themselves Christian bring against the great apostle Paul, which God will hold them accountable to. We must be very careful. Even before salvation, apostle Paul was a man who kept the law in a blameless manner. He was a righteous man, even before he got saved. The very reason why he went to went after the Christians was because he believed in the Old Testament and he was zealous for God. The very reason why God visited him and turned him into Paul was because he was faithful and he was sincere in what he knew. He was not somebody who was wicked, when I say wicked, scamming and trying to go and kill people on purpose and and vile and... No. With what he knew, he was 100% faithful. God came to him and gave him the truth. And after he received the truth, he became 100% faithful in that. And Apostle Paul says here, As for zeal, persecuting the church, and as for righteousness based on the law, faultless, his own conscience bore witness to that. But whatever were gains to me, I now, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever prior experiences he had, whether it was him being a Jew, whether it was him being a Pharisee, whether him being someone who did all the law that was given by God through Moses, according to the Old Testament, he put all those aside. Everything. Now, who is he relying on? He's relying on the Spirit of God only. He's not bringing any of those things. You don't see any cultural influence in his ministry. You don't see any kind of uh, prior experience that he's bringing and he's confusing all those things with what God is doing. No. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Many times, people try to take, take the scripture and then they bring their culture in and they mix it with their culture and they make a new culture, new breed out of it. No. The Bible has God's culture. The Bible is God's word. We belong to heaven. Heaven has all kinds of people washed by the blood of Jesus who walked on the path of the Lord, who belong to the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Everyone, regardless of what color where we've come from, what language we speak, we each are unique and beautiful and precious in the sight of God, like different kinds of flowers in the garden. One is red, one is yellow, one is blue, one is purple, one is white. It looks all beautiful, all of color. We're all of color. And our color comes from the hand of God Almighty. The variety is so beautiful. Every color shows forth the praises of the Almighty God. And God, who made us in His image, has stamped eternity into the hearts of human beings. The Bible says that. He has stamped eternity into the hearts of human beings. How can someone just completely bypass that unless you step on your conscience? That's when the Bible says, they kill their conscience. They shipwreck their faith. And then they make the choice to go into eternal destruction. If you want to 
serve God and do it God's way, which will yield good results, we have to follow the pattern. As Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we have a good model here to imitate in the Bible, Apostle Paul. It's important to read his life and imitate him. How did he minister? How did he evangelize? He did not bring in anything from his past. He did not bring anything from himself, period. What he brought was what he received on a daily basis from God and he gave it to people. That was a success behind his ministry. Now, let's just read this. A few verses and we're going to go back to First Corinthians. I consider them, let me go here, verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of the worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom or for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He was clearly a man who had a goal. Clearly a man who had a goal. So he had this goal, which was to become like Jesus Christ, to fulfill his will. And what did he do? He said, whatever was gained to me in the past, he said, I counted all loss. What is he doing? Mentally, he's come to terms with all of those things being nothing when compared to gaining Christ himself. What are you determined? Are you determined, first of all? Are you determined to know Christ? If you're determined to know Christ on a scale of 1 to 10, how much are you determined? Are you fully determined? If you're fully determined there's something you have to do, if you're determined to follow Christ, you have to let go of everything else, as Apostle Paul did. Whatever was important to him before, he let go of all of that. Because he said, I'm going to go after this pearl. I'm going to go after Jesus Christ, who is worth everything. He found something, you see. He knew the worth of this. And now he said, all of these things put together is garbage. Because I found the real thing. Have you found the real thing? If you found the real thing, are you willing to follow? If you if you found the real thing, are you determined to know the real thing? If you are not determined to know the real thing, you're not going to be able to follow it. You're not going to. You need to be determined to know. That means I need to know about Jesus. I got to know about Jesus. I got to know more about Jesus. I need to know more about Jesus. That desire has to grow from within. When the determination is there, you go to God. He will give you greater desire. He will increase the desire. There will be a burning desire. The desire will keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing until you become everything that God wants you to be. But if your determination is just flaky, unstable, then you are really not going to follow 
because your eyes are not on the right thing. God is speaking to your hearts at this hour. If you really want to save yourself and your hearers, which is the right order, then you must be determined to know Jesus Christ. You must be determined to know Jesus Christ. And as we read there in 1 Corinthians, I'm determined to know Jesus Christ by leaving everything behind. I'm not going to go after anything because if I go after anything else, I'm going to miss the main thing. So you have to make a choice. You want Jesus or you want the world? You want Jesus or you want the world? You want Jesus or you want the world? You want Jesus or you want fame? You want Jesus or you want money? You want Jesus or you want name? What do you want in life? We must be determined about what we want to do with life. If we are determined to know Jesus, Jesus will reveal himself to you. If you're determined to follow Jesus by knowing Jesus, then how determined are you? Because if you're really determined, you will become like Apostle Paul, who will not take a step back. He, Apostle Paul never took a step back. People who have not read the Bible, who were given room to delusion, will say all kinds of lies. But in the Bible, all we see is how faithful Apostle Paul was prior salvation and after salvation. He was a man who had a goal before. His goal just got diverted or brought into a new realm when he found out this is the truth and he stuck with it. He said, this is the truth. I found this truth now and I will die for it. Not like some people say, well, I'll die for Jesus, but you know, they can't live for him. If you can't live for him, you cannot die for him. Living for him every day is very important. Apostle Paul lived for Jesus by dying to this world, by living for Christ. What matters to God must matter to you. That's what mattered to Jesus. That's what mattered to Apostle Paul. That's what matters to me. That's, that's what matters to God's people. So in order for you to follow Jesus, you need to let go of things that you need to let go of. And the Spirit of God through Apostle Paul says over here, let's just go here. Let me read this and I'm going to switch back. So he says here, verse 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of the knowledge Underline the word surpassing worth. What kind of worth? Surpassing worth. You really can compare Jesus Christ to anything else that's out there. His eyes were open to that. When your eyes are open to the surpassing worth of who Jesus is, you're willing to leave everything behind. God is speaking at this hour. Don't say, well, my eyes are not open to the surpassing worth of Christ and that's why I'm going after the world. Don't give excuse like that. That will become presumption. It's because God is speaking to you. You know that he's opening eyes right now because he's speaking to you. What are you after? So, let's go back here. Verse 7 
But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider them garbage. He had a goal that I may gain Christ. He had a goal. So he said, I consider everything as loss. You know why? Because I want to gain Christ. This goes hand in hand with the parable that Jesus spoke about. When the man found the most expensive pearl, he went and sold everything he had in order for him to get that. When the man found the treasure, he went and, he went and sold everything he had in order to gain that treasure. There is a grand exchange, remember. If you want to gain Christ, you will have to lose all the worthless stuff. Whatever God hates, those are all worthless stuff. It's not good for you. If you want to gain Christ, you have to lose something. If you have to gain Christ, you will have to lose that which is not of worth. When you put it next to Christ. So Apostle Paul, he left everything. He had one mission in mind. I want to save myself self and my hearers. We need to have that. That I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. So there's such a thing as gaining Christ. People may say that, well, when I get saved, I get Christ and that's it. There's no more. Oh, no, 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 no. No. There's such a thing called gaining Christ. In your growth in Christ. The more you obey, the more you follow Christ, the more you're determined to know Him, the more Christ will become real to you. The closer He will get to you, the closer you will get to Him. May God speak to your hearts at this hour. I'm going to go further a little more as the Lord wants me to. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Now, I'm going to go here. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection. And participation in His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is something very deep. It's a whole message by itself. I'm not going to go into that. But one point I want to make here is the Holy Spirit wants me to. There's a wanting here. There's a determination here. There's a longing here. I want to know Christ. Who's this? Apostle Paul. A man who saw Jesus Christ. A man who heard the voice of Jesus Christ calling out to him. A man who's received so many revelations from God. A man who went to the third heavens. A man a man of God, such a great man of God, who is operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? What is he saying? He didn't say that, well, I already have him, already know him, and I'm blessed already. I hear all these things. And I'm amazed. May God help us to really know him. The more people grow in the Lord, the more humility you'll see. 
You won't see any show-off. You won't see any showmanship. You won't see any pride. You yourself will know that I want Jesus more. It's never going to be, I know Him. I know Him. No. I want to know You more, Lord. I want to know You more. I want to know You more. I want to know You more. I want to have You more. I want to spend time with You more. I want to seek You more. The more you get to know Him, the more you'll see how much you need Him. How much you need Him. And Apostle Paul knew the need for God, for the Spirit of God to be upon Him, to be in Him in order to serve Him. Never was Apostle Paul like a lot of people would say, well, I know how to get that person. I know how to bring that person to Christ. I know how to. How many eyes are there? Well, it is God who works. We need to be on our faces before God. And we need to have the Holy Spirit with us so that He can do the work. So, I want to read verse 10 again. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of His resurrection. Again, this a mighty apostle who experienced so much yet through the Spirit of God he writes, I want to know more of him. I want to know of his resurrection power. The one who's seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Like I said, we read in the Bible, people got healed from his handkerchief that came from his body. He carried the power of God in his body. And what is he saying? I want to know the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. More, Lord. I want to know more of your power. Because he knew that the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ is like a vast ocean. Such a humble, practical, powerful man of God. Teaching us here. We need to be determined to know Christ. And him crucified. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to pursue. That should be our goal. In order for that, we should be willing to give up anything. If you know the worth of that. Now, we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to finish in a few minutes, but we're going to read this. And then we're going to go to um, the end of Luke and we will finish. And that's the order the Spirit of the Lord is bringing to me right now. So we'll just follow that. First Corinthians chapter 2. And we are going to read verse 2 again. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There was a determination in his heart. He was not doing randomly things. You know, whatever was coming, he was not doing anything randomly. But he was prepared. He said, this is what I'm going to go. When I'm going to go, this is what I'm going to do. And his drive came from the Holy Spirit, from him being with the Spirit of God, with Jesus Christ, spending time in the presence of God. The determination came from God, and he determined with the working of the Holy Spirit in his life. God is working in your life, and are you going with the flow of the Holy Spirit? When God convicts you, are you going through, following through with the conviction of the Holy Spirit? When God is speaking to you, how much are you listening 
And how hard are you going to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ? Twelve disciples were there. One became a traitor. Another one betrayed him, but came back. The rest of them fled, but one went to the cross and stood before him. You see, different types of people. One was lost permanently, eternally. The rest were there. When Jesus gave this commission, the most important thing, closest to his heart, he gave it to his disciples. He said, I want you to go and tell the rest of this world that they too can experience this, that they too can have this, that they too can live like this, that they too can come to heaven, that they too can have heaven on earth, that they too can come in contact with the God who made heaven and earth and have Him as their Father. That's why it's called good news. They too can have their sins forgiven. I want you to go and tell everybody, just don't keep it within yourself and be happy. And just wait for the day to come when we can all be with Jesus now. Every believer has a responsibility. Every believer in this church, we all have a responsibility of telling others about Jesus Christ. But before that, you need to be determined. You need to save yourself and your hearers. You need to be determined to know Jesus Christ, to follow Jesus Christ. To know Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus Christ. Let Him work in you and through you. May the Spirit of God work in your hearts at this hour. Apostle Paul was determined not to know anything. Not to know anything. He had a goal. He said, I'm determined to know this. I'm determined not to know anything else. So he did not allow any distraction to come near him. How many of you, how many times say, Lord, I won't do this, do that, but you let other things just flood into you and then wonder, why am I so weak? Why can't get up? Why am I falling? Why am I not reading? Why am I doing this? Why am I? When you have the why's, you have to ask yourself this question. Why? Look at your life and see why. What have you let in? What are all the things that came in? Are you determined to not let those things come in? Are you determined? If if you're not determined, may God help you to be determined today. Determine in your heart that you will not let all the things that are polluting you, corrupting you, come near you. I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Like I said, this fear is not the spirit of fear or any ungodly fear is the fear of God. God, these people need to grow in you. That kind of uh, fear. Burden that came from God. Coming with the reverence that the Spirit of God is working, the presence of God is here, and I'm going there as an ambassador of Christ, and I need to convey what God wants me to convey, and I'm depending on the Spirit of God, and that's how He did ministry. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. 
And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Wow. You know why it was with the demonstration of the spirit and with power? You know why? Because the first half of that verse. Because he did not rely on his strength. He was empty before God and the spirit of God filled him. The spirit of God worked. That's why there was so much success. He was a clear channel before God. He was not coming with, how many people are going to look at me and how many people are going to be thankful to me and how many people are going to appreciate me and who is going to welcome me. And No, no, that's Lucifer. That's the devil. Me-centeredness is not from God. He came as a representative of God, representing God. That means God has to be seen. He came with his burden, the burden of God, that people need to be saved. And that was his goal, and that's why he came. And, and he came with the awareness that without God, I cannot do anything. Without his power. So he was dependent on God Almighty. And because of that, the Spirit of God worked in a very powerful way. That's why God moved in such a powerful way that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What is he saying here through the Spirit of God? The people who got saved in Paul's ministry were concrete souls or concrete salvations because the Spirit of God did a genuine work in the hearts of the people. Not because he tried to give some intellectual, you know, stuff and some, you know, intellectual arguments. If he would have done that, he says, that wouldn't last. That the faith should not be in the wisdom of men because that could be taken out if someone comes and argues with them with something else. But when the Spirit of God does the work through the power of God, no one can take that away. No one can take that away. So how should real ministry be done? Real ministry should be done by total dependency on God Almighty. The real ministry has to be done by emptying ourselves in the presence of God and not just saying I'm emptying myself in the presence of God and I want God to fill me and then get up with arrogance. No. Humility through and through. Write this down. Humility through and through. No matter what you do. Not an inch for arrogance. Not an inch for pride. Oh, well, I know to sing. Oh, I know to pray. I know to preach. And I know how to talk to people. I have a powerful testimony. And look at my healing story. These are very deadly snares. Pride is the spirit of Satan, manifestation of Lucifer. No one should have that. If it pops up in your life, Shut it down immediately. Never even. You know, there's people who have pride to say that I have pride. We all have pride. I mean, we should really be ashamed to say that because that's a trait of Lucifer. Pride should not be in our church. It shouldn't be in any of our believers. If you see it coming, hit it right there. Step on it right there. Say, I have nothing to do with you, pride. Get out in Jesus' name and say, Lord, I'm nothing. 
And when you go before another believer, acknowledge yourself as nothing. When you go to the house of God, know that this is all Jesus, nothing of me. I don't want to be seen and heard. I don't want to, you know, go there to see who will say thank you to me. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. A faith should not be in anything except the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now let's just go to the last chapter of Luke before we conclude for tonight. I'm just going to go with you right now. Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 24. I'm going to go to the last few verses. Uh, Jesus says here, verse 46 onwards. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Wherever you are from there, he says, not say, well, I have a burden over here. I'm just going to go to Rome. No. He says, you must preach beginning at Jerusalem, where you are. That's the right order. Always remember. We need to evangelize right where we are. Our community is important. Once you win them over and you have enough people, you know God will lead you to keep expanding God's territory. It's very important for us to know that our Jerusalem is important, our family is important, our neighborhood is important, our town is important, the neighboring towns are important. People need to know about Jesus. That burden has to be there to invite them to come to the house of God. It's important for us to have that burden. People are perishing. They need to know Jesus. They need to know Jesus. So Jesus gives this burden of his to his disciples and said, this is what you need to do. And you are witnesses of these things. He just didn't say, well, you go and share what you've seen. No. He said, you are witnesses. What what does that mean? Your life is a witness. You are the testimonies. Not just you go share testimonies. No. That's what a lot of people for. They have a double life and then they go and share testimonies and everything. Meanwhile, if somebody is next to them from their family, they'll say, oh, I don't know who this woman is, who this man is. They are talking like this. Is this the same person at home? I don't know. Well, that's not a witness. That's a false witness at that point. We need to be true. A true testimony at home, a true testimony everywhere. When you open your mouth and speak, it has to be coming from within. The the Spirit of God should work from within. That's why he says, you Be my witnesses. And in order for these people, these disciples who lived with Jesus three and a half years, for them to be witnesses, what did they need? Jesus says that they needed to be clothed with power from on high, even though they were with Jesus. He just didn't say, like I said yesterday, he didn't say, well, let's not waste another single moment and go right away. I'm going to be gone. And the moment I go from tomorrow morning onwards, the first thing, start going and sharing. No, no doesn't work that way people of God need to pray people of God need to pray without praying don't do anything oh, well there are some people who say well don't don't waste time in praying for such a long time just pray for five minutes and let's go let's get to work 
Oh, well, that's Lucifer, though. Because he knows if he hastily sends you, he will knock you off your feet right there and put you flat to the ground. You need to be prepared. You need to be prepared in the presence of God. You need to prepare yourself in the presence of God. You need to be clothed with power from on high. How many of you will say that, well, I'm rushing and, you know, they're not prepared and so... It's winter, but I'm not taking my winter coat, and I'm not taking my socks, I'm not taking my shoes, and I'm just running. Will you go to work like that? And will they allow you there like that, to come like that, with no shoes, and and not combing your hair, and coming as if you just got up from the bed with the pajamas on? You can't do that. That's for work in this world. How much time you take to prepare yourself, to make sure you have what you need for the day? To make sure you have the right clothes you to wear for your work. To make sure you have your shoes and your socks. To make sure you have your coat so you don't get sick. You have all these things. If you don't have it, you know how to go to the store and get one the previous day. But when it comes to things of God, everything is hasty. Either you do it or you don't do it. And you do it so hastily. And the next thing is, well, I don't know, I got hurt. I know every time I try to evangelize, I get attacked and now you glorify, start glorifying Satan. People of God need to be prepared. Do it Jesus' way. Jesus said you must go, but don't go without preparing yourself. So there are some people who say, well, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, so I'm not giving the gospel to any, but I'm not ready, I'm not ready. That's not an excuse either. Why are you not ready, God will ask you. You need to spend time in prayer. If you know how to get ready for work, you need to know how to get ready to give the gospel. If you know how to take time to prepare for work, then you need to take time to spend time in the presence of God to go give the gospel. How determined are you? How determined are you in knowing Jesus Christ? How determined are you in following Jesus Christ? And how determined are you? How determined are you in inheriting Christ Himself? Apostle Paul said, "In order for me to inherit Christ, I'm going to. I'm determined to lose all these things." And he followed Christ, and he took Christ with him wherever he went. He just didn't go with what he had from before. He ditched all of that, and he said, I'm taking Christ, I'm taking Christ, I'm taking Christ. I want Christ, I don't want no Christ. And knowing Christ, I want to follow him, following him. I want to take him wherever I go. And guess what? Christ showed up wherever he went. For this man who left everything to follow Christ, he gained Christ by losing all the worthless stuff. We're going to finish in a few minutes. Verse 48. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Not 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, one day, two days, he says. Wait. Wait on the Lord and receive what God has for you. Prepare yourself. Let the Spirit of God prepare you. Go with humility like Apostle Paul did. Not with what you know and what with, not with what you can reason with. Not with anything that comes with human wisdom, human strength, human ability, human skill, human talent. 
but completely from God Almighty. In order for you to receive that, it's important for you to know that you must spend time in the presence of God. I cannot emphasize that enough. Because that's the secret. That's the key. For anyone who is mightily used to God. Emptying themselves in the presence of God. And wearing humility as the garment. Waiting on God Almighty. Being determined to know only Christ, nothing but Christ. Be determined to show people only Christ, nothing but Christ. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. May the Spirit of God work His mighty work in you today. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the Word of God Almighty will always remain, always remain. Every word that God has spoken today, may it sink deep into your spirit and do the mighty work that God alone can do. In this month of September, every believer in our church should work towards knowing Christ, following Christ, and inheriting Christ. Inheriting Christ should be a goal. In order for that, you need to be determined to know Christ, determined to follow Christ, determined to inherit Christ, not let nothing come in the way between you and Christ. And whatever would come between you and Christ, you should be determined to get rid of that. And if you would become like that, then for sure you will inherit Christ. You'll be able to follow without any hindrance. And God will be able to flow through you freely. Because there's nothing between you and God. And there's nothing that will hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit. No flesh, no self. May the Lord speak to you at this hour. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord?